This week on Life and Faith. Are you hungry? Are you cold? Do you need to go to the toilet? Have you drank water? No idea. Haven't attended to any of those things. I can tell you what the other 50 people around me need, though. You're right. <laughs> are they cold? Are they hungry? <laughs> they are the psychological foundations of why people burn out. You couldn't have paid me a million dollars a year to do something different. Why does consciousness exist in the first place? Forgiveness and reconciliation takes strength. It was a bit of a culture shock when I hit Sydney. We hope the truth will out. Welcome to Life and Faith from CPX. I'm Simon Smart. I'm Natasha Moore. And I'm Justine Toe. And no, this is not another Seen and Heard episode so soon, but if you want one, you can always ask. We're actually welcoming you back to the podcast after a couple of weeks break. Simon's even been on a surfing trip. And Simon, it's not as though I've actually seen you in the flesh since you came back from that, but you seem more well-rested than before you left. How was it? Thank you, Justine. Uh, It was so good. I could barely begin to tell you. It was awesome. And it was so good, I almost felt guilty about how good it was. And um, Because the rest of us have been in wintry, rainy That's right. (laughs) I'll be happy to bore you for some time with lots of photos. You haven't showed me any photos yet, Simon. No. Okay, I will. Mm -hmm. Definitely. No, it was really great. Thank you for asking, Justin. (laughs) you got to tell us just a little bit, though. Well, I was surfing off the coast of northern Sumatra, where the water is permanently at 28 degrees. So you, oh, you are wow. never, ever cold, despite oh, hours in the best. water. Probably not that interested in the waves, but they were amazing as well. <laughs> and it was just a great rest and time away. And I must oh. admit, I was ready for it. Yeah. Well, it was overdue, surely, right? Mm. It felt like it. By the time I got away, and I had almost no phone reception and internet, so it was a true kind of escape. Mm. And I didn't want to come back, I must admit. <laughs> After a number of holidays ruined by COVID, mm. Simon. Yeah, it seems like lots of people have been getting away, but I'm conscious it's not been everyone's experience. Mm. Yeah. Justine. <laughs> I had a look at my diary. I reckon it's another two months before I can mm. have a holiday. I feel like I've been going nonstop mm. for a really long time. And I have, I've had two cancelled holidays. Yeah. And now there's a lot of COVID in the house right now. So it's mm-hmm. like it just keeps cranking up. Yes, and we are feeling for you, Justine, that's for sure, and many others. But it's been a year since almost half of Australia endured months-long lockdowns over winter. But now the borders are open, travel has resumed, we're working flexibly from the office and home, and we've transitioned to kind of living with COVID. Things are sort of back to normal. But it's as though everything that's happened is catching up with us and we're all exhausted. I hear lots of people talk like this. So we're taking stock and recognizing that we're all kind of limping our way through 2022 after two years of pandemic. Now, Natasha has given some language to this in an article she wrote about not coping. (laughs) And I feel like the place to start, Natasha, today is with the potatoes. Let's talk about the potatoes because that was a striking part of your article. This just felt very representative to me. (laughs) So in the middle of 2022, here we are, things are supposed to be back to normal. But I feel I have been feeling very overwhelmed. I feel like everyone I talk to has been feeling overwhelmed. And I've been having quite vivid dreams, um, which was a lot of people's experience during Mm. lockdown as well. But I had this particular dream where I was in a kitchen, I was trying to cook potatoes for a whole lot of people, like a lot of people. (laughs) 
and it was going really badly. I kept dropping the potatoes on the floor. I kept like forgetting to do things to the potatoes. I obviously didn't know how to cook potatoes. <laughs> and I woke up and I was like, oh, subtle brain like good one <laughs> i wonder what it could possibly mean well, we'll <laughs> because put you i on just the like, psychologist you know, couch yeah yeah yep, that's right we don't need to pay anyone to <laughs> <laughs> that i feel like i've been bailing on things i've been you know dropping balls all over the place and well, my subconscious is clearly very some, aware <laughs> you've had some challenges though i have it's been you know Tough. a weird year i've Health. had a lot of illness i'm you know, planning a wedding and a move to another state. and It's not surprising. Um, so, yeah, but then I feel as though that's not just me. Everyone I talk to yeah. is kind of telling me the same things. Um, everyone's like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm okay, or I'm kind of not okay. Um, you know, lots of people are sick, obviously, not just COVID, but flu. And um, I had glandular fever. I know a lot of other people have had that same thing. Some people have long COVID. But yeah. also... You know, so many other things. Um, floods, obviously. Mm, um, yeah, there's this sort of atmosphere. Difficulties. Everyone pervasive. seems to be struggling. Yeah. Um, and I know that's not everyone, everyone, but it's been so recurrent in the conversations I've been having that I've been a bit like, wait, this is not just me. What is going on here? No, for sure. And, like, I mean, I really liked how you put the words not coping around it. And I think, did you say before that, some people would say, oh, I would see not coping as a real, genuine cry for help. Yeah. Whereas I'm like, well, not coping is just, I think that's the purely rational response to all the stuff we've been living through. Um, so I really appreciate the language mm. around it. In fact, you make the point that this not coping or whatever variation you have on that has become the new busy as in, yes. it's the standard reply to how are you? Mm, yeah, I'm exhausted. I kind of I'm not coping. You know? Took this from um, there's a guy called William Powers who wrote a book years ago called Hamlet's Blackberry about kind of technology and busyness and stuff. And he tells the story um, of a migrant friend of his, and this is in the US, who, you know, she was like learning English. And he noticed that when people asked her, you know, how are you? She had started saying busy, very busy with like this huge smile. Like it didn't really match um, the oh. kind of tone of like, oh, I'm really busy. And she had just concluded from talking to Americans that that was what you're meant to say. That's the default response <laughs> within English that you say, how are you? And you're meant to say, oh, I'm busy. Um, <laughs> because everyone is always busy. And I feel as though post, I mean, not post, COVID, we're still mm. mid, but no, that's after, right. We're in the middle of it. Yeah, post that phase of the pandemic, uh, <laughs> we're not just busy. <laughs> we're like, oh, I'm busy and I'm not doing well. <laughs> and I, what strikes me is people are opening up about that. Like they're yeah. honest about it. People are saying when you ask how you're doing, they're telling you. Not so well. Yeah. And I think this crystallized for me a bit. I saw a, an article in, this was actually kind of back in May in the SMH, about how this is kind of widespread, that there's just a lot of emotion close to the surface. Um, mm. People are kind of having outbursts. There's, you know, road rage and <laughs> just everybody kind of struggling and what's going on there. Um, and they talked to some psychologists and things about how you know, we're post the lockdowns, but people are still really stressed. People are still processing what that experience was like. And, yeah. you know, in Australia, we had it in many ways easier than a lot of the yeah. rest of the world, but it still made quite an impact on us. And, you know, returning to normal life, we're, we're finding that a real challenge. Yeah, well, I can tell how bad it's been for me because normally I feel like the Terminator in that 
the range of normal human emotion is not there for me. <laughs> Whereas <laughs> during this time, like, I'm no longer surprised if I randomly start weeping on the train. Mm. It's weird, right? Like, that's how <laughs> I can tell. It's like, oh, compute, compute. It's all, you're not coping. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm finding, so a few weeks ago with the public holiday, um, on a public holiday Monday, I went to a shopping center big mistake. (laughs) I was like, I thought it would be fine. Just pop out for a couple of hours. But there were so many people that I was like, I don't think I can be here. Um, Mm. You know, it wasn't that I was worried that I would get sick um, from being there. It was that I was like, it is unpleasant to be around this many people. Um, And I think there are things from, there's a real question here around what normal is and what we want it to be. Um, You know, we had those conversations sometimes during um, the various lockdowns about, oh, there are some positives to not being, for those people who were working from home um, and, you know, depending on your circumstances, like not being busy all the time, not being constantly going out, um, having an overstuffed schedule. And maybe when we return to normal life, we can implement some of those things, but we haven't. <laughs> mm, it <laughs> In, just went back on the whole, to, it's really hard know. to figure out how to do that. So I feel like there are some sort of existential questions there about like, well, how are we living our lives? Was it sustainable before? Maybe it wasn't. And we're realizing that now after having gone through this experience that maybe we do want to do things differently and we're struggling with how to do that. Do you think it's the time then to accept and embrace the fact that we're not coping? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like the fact that we are kind of fragile right now. I do think that naming it is really helpful there's a kind of, I think it's a management mantra or whatever, um, a problem named is a problem solved, which is kind of untrue. But unless you <laughs> name <good. laughs> it, like naming it can be very liberating that you're like, oh, yeah, this feeling that I'm having, I can see what it is and where it's coming from. And that mm. kind of makes it, I can actually address it. Uh, and for me, even though this has been a very kind of intense period, I can see already how it's been beneficial for me, um, perhaps character-wise and like spiritually, to be someone who isn't as competent and reliable and diligent as I like to think I am normally. So Enneagram one, people, Yeah, Enneagram <laughs> one, that's right. <laughs> Go back and listen to that episode. <laughs> Having to say to people, I'm sorry, I said I would do that and I can't do it. Um, and even that putting more work on other people and how gracious people have been about that um, within kind of the communities that I'm part of, including here at work, has been like, oh, that's okay. I'm not actually, you know, this kind of ties into your achievement addiction work, mm-hmm. Justine, that I am not what I do and what I can produce, um, that it's okay to be sick and it's okay to be weak and to not always cope. Um, So I've been, um, there's quite a bit about this in the New Testament, actually, the Apostle Paul, who, you know, is someone who got sick a number of times, very ill, um, was shipwrecked, um, was stressed, was like, um, Jailed had a well, lot right? of issues with the government. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, maybe we can, some of us can identify with that. Um, so he, you know, was like, he knew what it was to be hard pressed and um, to just feel really kind of weak and fragile and to not cope. And yet he wrote things about that, like, we are jars of clay with a treasure inside of us, like the weak human body and mind and self. 
and that idea of, well, actually, it's okay to be weak because, you know, from his perspective, um, he went, actually, God's strength and God's grace is sufficient for me. I don't have to be in control and make everything happen all of the time. So, look, it turns out that if you feel at all like Natasha, you're not alone. Justine gave Dr. Valerie Ling a call. Now, she's a clinical psychologist and the director of the Centre for Effective Living and the Centre for Effective Serving. Yes, and that whole effective living was very reassuring to me, (laughs) even though it seems kind of impossible right now. Uh, And when I spoke to Dr. Ling, I tried really hard not to make this a personal therapy session. Did you notice, Natasha, how I was like, oh, no, I'll do the interview. (laughs) Well, remember, Justine, that I am not coping, so very happy for you to take that potato off my plate. (laughs) Anyway, I asked Dr. Ling if I was feeling tired, emotionally drained, not quite on top of things as I would usually be. Was that kind of normal right now? It absolutely is. And the psychological concept that best describes it is a concept called languishing. It was actually made popular and probably more uh, known by Adam Grant, who is an organizational psychologist. So all of those things that you said, the foggy brain, loss of memory, feeling like it's just all a bit gray, not really having the ebb and flow of positive emotion and negative emotion, but just somewhere in that awful, icky, gray middle. That's probably where we're at with languishing. When we first began uh, two years ago, we were in anguish. I think we were struck by fear, anxiety, sense like our world was changing. And then we got a glimmer of hope. We thought that, well, maybe this is a phase. This too shall pass. And so we allowed ourselves to be a little bit hopeful. And then, of course, we got bombarded by all the different variants of Omicron. And it looks like COVID is now here to stay. So we went from anguish, a little bit hopeful, a little bit fatigued to now this prolonged sense of we're just really tired because nothing that we know is normal. Uh, Even the smallest of decisions, I don't know about you, Justine, but even just going to the supermarket now, you've got so many things you have to think about. Is it okay? Should I not wear a mask? Should I wear a mask? But I'm seeing my grandma. So you never Mm. used to have to think about those things. The level of decision making that we make, very few things are automated. Yeah, I understand that mental toll. Now, every time I do that kind of work trip, I'm frightened that I'm going to get COVID and have to stay seven days in a hotel room. Um, I saw Gallup's State of the Global Workforce report last week. Uh, It it calls itself the voice of the world's employees. Mm. And it reports something like 44% of employees feeling worried, stressed, angry and sad the previous day. So given all that you've said right now, I'm sure none of this is surprising to you that if we're like this in our normal lives, that work also adds to the load. There's actually some more recent um, research that is actually pointing now to leaders. It's the executive level. So while you've got, you know, maybe your 40 to 50 percent of employees that are experiencing that level of extreme exhaustion, um, what we're actually now know is that the leaders on top of them, there's a higher percentage of them that are really lost and really exhausted trying to figure out how to lead self and lead others, really. Mm, yeah, they, they have the responsibility. I can imagine that would very much fall on them. If we can try and take a really big picture perspective, maybe if we're like this right now, maybe it's good to some degree because we're no longer in that 
anguish mode that you spoke about. We're no longer panicking. We're no longer just trying to survive. We're、mm. no longer in lockdown. In、mm. some ways, life has returned to a kind of normal,、mm. so that it's more safe for feelings to come now, and that's why we're finally able to recognize that we're struggling. Whereas before, to recognize you're struggling on top of actually struggling would have been too much, perhaps. Yeah, and I think the other thing is that in the beginning we said we're all in this together with regards to COVID, but actually our emotional reactions are also now all very different. It's going to really depend. It's going to depend on whether you still have people in your family or in your、uh, significant circle of friends whom you worry that you could pass COVID on. So your sense of you know anxiety and actually being really aware of what you're doing may not have subsided. You could be、uh, single and actually starting to feel confident that you could meet friends or go out, but then there you might have friends who have kids、uh, who are in a different boat. So, it's kind of like our post-pandemic or even currently within the pandemic emotions are all different, Justine. So I think one of the major impacts of the pandemic has been it's really disrupted our relationships and community. Listening to Life and Faith from CPX, and we're talking about potatoes and pandemic fatigue. That feeling of being drained and not quite on top of things. Maybe we should just call it that 2022 feeling. We're bringing you, in response to that feeling, a chat that Justine had with Dr. Valerie Ling, clinical psychologist and director of the Center for Effective Living. They've just been speaking about how widespread languishing seems to be. With the world's workers and bosses all feeling the strain after everything that has happened over the last two years. Yeah, at this point of the conversation, I asked Dr. Ling about burnout because that's the word that I've heard and also used a lot to describe how I'm feeling. And she said that pandemic fatigue, burnout, carers fatigue, and just fatigue in general all shared a common factor: exhaustion. Classically, burnout is a workplace. Uh, phenomenon where your relationship between yourself and how you're doing your work is out of balance, such that it leaves you with a sense of with three things really. It's a cluster of three things: fatigue, usually emotional exhaustion, a sense that you're not achieving and not actually、uh, making much of a difference or being competent in what you're doing, and also really a sense of withdrawing from people or a kind of a sense that you're on your own and and not really wanting to connect. And classically, that was found in the helping professionals. Fast forward now,、um, there's currently uh, uh, some research studies trying to understand burnout a little bit deeper. And what I think we now understand burnout as being any kind of vocation, whether it's volunteer or paid, that has a high calling, conviction component. So you could be a minister, you could be a nurse, you could be a teacher, but it's a calling and conviction. You give of yourself to serve others, that can lead to burnout. And now we're also realizing that it's even things like parents. And carers, right? Because there's a calling or a conviction that you need to take care of someone else. It seems really insidious that that specific desire to contribute is then kind of like hollowed out, and you feel depleted from that. 
Exactly. And the psychological mechanisms of that are twofold. What the research also tells us is that if you have high standards uh, like perfectionism or what we call unrelenting standards, in other words, it's never good enough. What you do is never good enough. You got to keep going. You got to put in that extra hour or, you know, write that extra 500 words. If you've got that characteristic, Plus, you've also got a tendency to sacrifice yourself to serve others. We don't attend to our needs. Are you hungry? Are you cold? Do you need to go to the toilet? Have you drank water? No idea. Haven't attended to any of those things. I can tell you what the other 50 people around me need, though. You're right. <laughs> are they cold? Are they hungry? <laughs> uh, those two things, uh, when they put together, they are the psychological foundations of why people burn out. And if we don't use the word burnout, it is overwhelm. It is chronic overwhelm and so psychologically that fatigue then sets in for us you've heard dr ling say that burnout is linked with a strong sense of calling and conviction but we're not used to seeing burnout as a spiritual problem if it is though does that mean there's also a spiritual solution yeah so i think there's a big you know know your why movement or know your purpose movement that can also feel really overwhelming I think more and more these days, what we're actually seeing is know who you're becoming is more, I think, the narrative. What that means is how is your character being shaped, number one, so that you're at peace, that your identity doesn't come from what you do. Uh, for myself as a Christian, that pretty much means that I look to a higher purpose to give me a sense of identity, that I'm loved for who I am, not for what I do. Second of all, that relationship between work, uh, the spiritual component of that is we can become really dried up when all of our meaning and purpose comes from passing a grade or getting a higher paycheck. Right? So then some fantastic research that comes from um, Penn State University, this is the positive psychology movement, that rather than looking at the deficit of negative symptoms, you know, what it, how do you actually have a robust and healthy amount of positive symptoms or positive uh, material in your world? And one of it is actually being part of things that are bigger than yourself. Right. So if you have faith, uh, spirituality is a wonderful buffer because that helps you to have hope that you don't have to have the answers. There's something bigger than yourselves. Uh, you can also find uh, hope and purpose and for a cause outside of yourself by being part of community activities and community relationships. So that element of finding meaning and purpose, but more, you know, who you're becoming, whether you're growing in your character and your connections is really important. Having gone a bit deeper into burnout, it's important to clarify that Dr. Ling felt that burnout didn't quite capture what was happening right now, even if it happened to be part of the mix of this pandemic fatigue we're talking about. I think what we're seeing in terms of the reaction to COVID and a pandemic has got to do more with how our brains and our bodies are wired to withstand chronic stress or not to withstand chronic stress. And so that level of exhaustion and the emotional uh, relationship of hopelessness of being fearful and anxious and uncertain, those things are more related to grief, loss and trauma, if that makes sense. Something really adverse has happened in our world. We've never seen this happen before. How do we cope? How do we uh, maintain balance within ourselves and within our significant relationships and still get our work done? I've got a personal thing to share with you yeah, about the please. languishing. So I've been languishing for a while. 
And, you know, I've been also trying to figure out, okay, what is this? Like, how do you actually make peace with this, right? So I'm going to, can I tell you three ways that I've done this? Would that be helpful? Love to hear. (laughs) (laughs) So first of all, uh, for me, we just talked about the spiritual resources. And, you know, when we look at any human being, finding meaning and purpose beyond ourselves in terms of who we're becoming as well is really important. Now, previously, I would have tried to have read, you know, the whole Bible in a year, right? It's like, go, 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 go. Well, I'm just doing (laughs) one chapter a day. And sometimes not even. Sometimes it's just one verse a day. And I'm learning to say to myself, you know what? That's all right. That's not an absence of something. That's still a presence of something. I just have to moderate my expectations. So that's one. Just chunk it down to something small. The next thing is I'm not doing any of my hobbies. So one of the things that's really helpful for languishing is to have a sense that you're in some kind of flow, like you're still able to focus and do something. So I'm not able at this point in time to play my piano and to master that jazz piece or cook up that enormous meal. So what I'm doing instead is I'm just getting the Woolies free magazines. Do you know the ones who can get the recipes, right? (laughs) Last night, my daughter and I, we sat down and we just really absorbed ourselves into five pages of those. Just imagining what it would be like to eat and cook those things, you know. Um, Instead of the piano piece, I'm just listening to the band Chicago at the moment from the 60s, the 70s the 80s it just in bed so you can allow yourself to say okay smaller chunks of mastery um i talked to you about meaning um which is you know finding that spiritual anchor for me but meaning also comes from the relationships that we have um i don't know about you but i can't really sustain a lot of interactions can you justine are you able to have like lots of interactions it does drain me afterwards yeah yeah we're just tired. But I love people, but it just, it's a lot. Yeah. 100%. So I'm not even interacting with my kids right now. I have an 18 and a 16 year old, and I was feeling horribly guilty about it. But, you know, I could only like do 15 minutes with it, and I'm like, I'm spent. So I bought this really silly game called the Emoji Game. And I thought, well, I don't know anything about emojis. A lot of time people tell me I'm using the wrong ones. Here's something I can do after dinner in 15 minutes, you know, with the kids. <laughs> You know, we have a little bit of laugh. It's just been, and last night, again, we just did that. It was just small, really small. And finally, the thing is just to be really present. I think when we're languishing, we get really upset with ourselves when we're not able to focus. So then we try to do more things. We're like, okay, well, I'll do the Excel spreadsheet. And then now I'll go and read that chapter of that book. And then like, I'm doing all these small things. It's still small things, but guess what? You're multitasking. You've just done five different things in different domains. So the best thing we can do to help our brains to really rest and, you know, not get really fried up because a lot of the things that we would have assumed were automatic before, like I said, going to the supermarket, they're not that automatic at the moment. So what we want to do is actually before we might have been able to sustain 90 minutes, maybe now we're down to 30 minutes or 45 minute chunks in one thing. Then we take a break. And then we do another deep chunk in another thing. So we want to actually really reduce that flipping of tasks in order to feel like we're doing more. So those are my three categories and three tips for you, if you like. There's one more thing we needed to ask Dr. Ling. If we're so exhausted, what about rest? 
to me, rest is not an activity. It's really a, an existence. So therefore, when you enter into that mindset, rest has to go in first. Two things, rest and reflection. Uh, rest has to go in first. And I differentiate that from sleep. So it's a given that your body needs sleep. So if you're not getting, you know, quality sleep, then that's something that you've got to fix. But it's all the other things we do in our day and our week to come to a pause and a stop, to reflect, to be thankful, to connect with what we need. So whether we're going to an all stop or whatever. So that has to go first. When I'm working with clergy, they have a really interesting lifestyle, right? Because they don't really have a weekend, what is a weekend? Have no idea. <laughs> There's no weekend. <laughs> we actually work on a weekend. <laughs> so they've got to create what it is in a week that is important in that weekend. Uh, it's not doing the shopping. It's not doing the housework. Um, yes, you will have to run around with kids and all of that. But a lot of that has also got to do with pausing, have a cup of tea, stopping. Have a nana nap if you need to as well. Put your feet up. Read a book. So these are just ways that we pause to allow reflection to come in for us to feel grateful and for us to also just let go of the things that we don't need to hang on to. So that needs to go first. Rest in, then build your rest of your activities, what you say yes and no to. Now, when you're a parent juggling kids, that window could only be the 30 minutes or the one hour a week. Um, when my kids were little, so I, I, I'm also a ministry wife, so psychologist, ministry wife. Um, <laughs> it didn't matter whether it was weekday or weekend, we was always on. Uh, and I used to have this refrigerator and my kids were little, they couldn't read. And I would take the um, whiteboard marker and I'd draw the schedule on the fridge with pictures. And there was always this time in asterisk boxes. This was the do your own thing time, do not disturb mummy time. <laughs> When they were younger, it was maybe only 30 minutes and then it grew to an hour until even I can remember as early as, you know, when they were in their early teens, we would just have this period in the week. It's called diot, do your own thing. <laughs> you know, when they were little, they we, if they had to watch, you know, back when DVDs were a thing, if they had to watch a DVD, they just watched a DVD. If they were in their cot, you know, my oldest would just throw toys into the younger sister. <laughs> Uh, that's what we've had. We've just had a rhythm of do your own thing. Everybody, you know, just take some time. Just have a break. You've been listening to Life and Faith with me, Simon Smart, Natasha Moore and Justine Toe. And probably not a bad idea to take Dr. Ling's advice and have a break. Feel free to let those potatoes lie on the floor for a little while. <laughs> or if a chat with a counsellor could help, you can call Lifeline anytime on 13 11 14 or check out the resources and online modules available through the Centre for Effective Living's website. I'm going to post links to the articles we've mentioned throughout the podcast, along with a link to Dr Ling's ebook, My Burnout Prevention Plan, from a psychologist who knows the cost of burnout. And if you want to hear more about burnout in general, then check out the interview we did with Jonathan Molesic. We know that you get what pandemic fatigue feels like. And if this episode has been helpful for you, maybe you also know someone who would benefit from hearing it. Please do share this episode or leave a rating or review. 
wherever you get your podcasts. Next week. I lost my mom when I was 14 years old to cancer. My father passed away when I was 20. And really those events were catalysts because they made me think about, okay, so what is going on here and what makes life count?